I want you to turn in your Bibles, once you get them out, to a familiar spot in Matthew chapter 6. It's an area we know well. And, um, you know, often we'll, we'll, we'll have one section of Scripture that we spend most of our time on. But I'd like to go to a couple of places this morning and just talk about something that is foundational, but it's something that's often misunderstood in the, in the body of Christ. And uh, I want you to re- just read with me what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Of course, we often touch on this when we talk about giving. We, talk, we touch on this um, when we talk about worry and, and not worrying and trusting God. But I want you to see at the end of this, of course, let me, let me back up. Jesus has been talking about why are you worrying about what you're going to eat? Why are you worrying about what you're going to wear? Why do you worry about these things? He says, don't you know your father knows that you need these things? He says, the Gentiles, they spend all their life worrying about that stuff. If you were to go around Lloyd Minster, you'd see people all over. And their concern, their chief uh, worry or concern is that they would be able to provide for their family. And you might say that's a noble thing, and I believe it is. But the thing is, is that as children of, of, of light, as, as children of God, we get to the point where that's not our main goal in life. I mean, maybe you've noticed by now, but you don't have the same goals as everybody else in Lloyd. You don't have the same goals as everybody else in Canada. There's a reason for that. There's a reason you don't quite fit into the system. And the reason is, is because our goals have changed. When we became born again, our life was given to him. Our life was bought back. And uh, we start living for something totally different. People around us, they're, they're, they're living for the stuff they can see, the stuff they can grasp. You know, they're spending their time, they're spending their energy. All their life is, you know, hopefully storing up enough to take care of themselves. Maybe they can have a nice retirement. Maybe they can, they can get a few boats and trucks on the way. But Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. He says, your father can take care of birds. He takes care of the plants. And he loves you a lot more than he loves them. And he could take care of you. But then he says this, and this is what grips me so often, is that he doesn't just tell you not to worry about it, not to spend your life chasing these things. He says, the Gentiles, they spend their life eagerly seeking these things. Now, you might think that seeking is just a state of mind. But I'll tell you, it may start with your heart. Seeking starts with your heart. It moves to your mind, but it always bleeds into your actions, doesn't it? What you're seeking, you can find what you're seeking when you look at your schedule. You can find what you're seeking when you look at your bank account. You can find what you're seeking when you realize, what do I wake up thinking about? What do I spend my life chasing? Because really, that's what seeking is. It's chasing things. He says, you don't need to seek the things that the Gentiles seek. They eagerly seek these things. This is their life goal. They're chasing these things. But he says, and what's wonderful about it is he doesn't say you don't need these things. He says, your father knows you need these things. He doesn't say, you know, just be naked and homeless. That's cool. No, he says, he says your father knows you need those things, but he'll take care of that. What I want you to seek, here's what I want you to seek. He says, seek first. His kingdom and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added unto you. So when we talk about seeking. I'm not just talking about what I think about, although it starts there. 
I'm not just talking about what I care about, although it starts there. When we talk about seeking something, you're always going to see it. Not only in, you know, it's just like a runner. When a runner turns their head to a certain direction, it won't be long till their body follows that direction. And what we seek is going is to determine what we're doing with our hours in the day. It's going to determine what we're doing with our prayer life. Did you know it? God wants you to take your cares and your worries and all the little things to him? He, there's not a thing that's too small for him. Any little detail, he says in, in Philippians 4, he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So every little thing in your life is worthy of being brought to the Father. However, we really should take a look at our prayer life. Because if what we're seeing in our prayer life is just a, a list of things we need and a, a list of things we need fixed, that kind of reveals to us where our heart's at, doesn't it? God wants you to bring those things to him, but there's more than that. And he says, I want you to seek first. So before everything else, this is the most important priority in your life. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Now, we've talked about seeking the kingdom. That's not a new thing. We talk about it a lot, and maybe, maybe you're like me, and you still feel like you're getting a grip on that. I still feel like I haven't captured all it is to seek his kingdom. I know that his kingdom is a place where he rules. I know his kingdom is a place where, where the wrong things are made right. His kingdom is a place where the king has his rightful rule. And um, first it's got to start in my heart, and then it expands. But what I don't often talk about, what we don't often talk about, is seeking his righteousness. Seeking his righteousness is just up there with seeking his kingdom. Now, you know, you guys are, are, are Bible-believing people. And so I hope you know that one of the foundations of your faith is that we couldn't be righteous on our own. We did not have the capability of righteousness on our own, right? The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. So there is a righteousness which comes by faith in Jesus Christ. It is the gift of righteousness. So when they ask you, and you I mean, maybe you were raised in the church like I was, and they ask you, what is righteousness? So often we'd say, right standing with God, right? And that's us talking about who we are. I'm righteous by the blood of Jesus. So by his blood, by his work, by his gift, through faith, I'm made right with God. But don't you know there's more to it than that? That's, that's who you are, and you are righteous. But when it says, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, we look on in, in the New Testament, and the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, in both letters, he says this, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, at some point in the letter, he says, pursue righteousness. So there's, there's the understanding of your righteousness in Jesus Christ. But then there's something to seek, and there's something to pursue. Maybe you say, well, well, that means right living, and I'm sure that plays into it. But I think there's something beyond that. When the Old Testament prophets talked about righteousness, they weren't just talking about your standing with God. That played into it, but they were also talking about the way things were around you. And righteousness and justice always went together. When they spoke about righteousness, there was justice. Things weren't right. See, there's this idea of righteousness, which is this is the way it should be. That God has a righteousness that, that surpasses anything the world's imagined. But you know, when God looks at our planet, he sees great unrighteousness. But don't you know that in his, 
Through his eyes, there is a plan of righteousness. There is, a, there is something that he sees. There's an order to it that should be happening. And it's not always happening. But now we are in, in, the, in the world. We're his seed in the world. We're his sons, his daughters. And we bring the light with us. We bring righteousness with us. And the wrong things are made right again. So yes, righteousness means right standing with God. But it also means that things are the way he set them to be. And so when we talk about righteousness, another way we would phrase it is his way of doing things. The way he's designed things, the way he wants things. I'm brought back to one of the prophets who was railing and and God was speaking to his people quite, quite sternly. And he says this, he says, I'm tired of your songs. I'm tired of your festivals. I'm tired of all the stuff you do which would be a really tough thing to hear from God, wouldn't it? He's like, I'm tired of your church services. I'm tired of your special meetings. I'm tired of your worship songs. We would just be like, what? He says that to his people in Israel. He says, I'm tired of all this. He says, instead, let there be a flood of justice. Instead, let justice roll and righteousness like a stream. Let justice and righteousness have their way among you. I think what he's saying is there is a religion that comes on us where we just kind of go through the motions, but what God is looking for is that things would be made right again. In the New Testament here, Jesus says to me, he says, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek his way. Seek the way he designed it to be. Seek his righteousness in every situation. And then all these things will be added unto you. I, I want to go back. If you could just skip back a chapter to Matthew 5. And fall into the Beatitudes when he talks about who's blessed in his kingdom. One of the things he says in verse... Well, let's just read the whole thing. It couldn't hurt us to read the whole thing, right? In verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit doesn't mean that you are just a lousy spiritual person. Poor in spirit means you realize you, you don't have everything you need. Poor is, is not, a, is not a, it's not straight across the line. There's people that would consider themselves poor in Canada that would be rich in another part of the world, right? So what does poor mean? It means I don't have enough. Poor in spirit is saying, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you. I need your word. I need your life. I'm not enough without you. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, hey, for they will be comforted. All of you who are mourning right now, he says, welcome to my kingdom, and you will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There's a group of people that he's referring to here who are desiring that the wrong things would be made right. They're desiring his way. They're desiring his righteousness, in their, not only in their life, but in their community. They're desiring his righteousness around them. They're seeing that it's not right, and they want it right. He says, I'm telling you, you're blessed, and you will be satisfied. Because what Jesus brought, instead of, instead of us trying to find the kingdom, because we couldn't find it, he brought the kingdom to us. And he made us sons and daughters of this kingdom. He brought brought us back from darkness, transferred us into his kingdom. And in his kingdom, there is righteousness. The Bible says the kingdom of God 
is not eating and it's not drinking. It's because people were trying to turn the kingdom of God into a, just, just a, a set of rituals. You don't eat that, you eat this. You don't eat that on this day, you eat this on this day. And here we do this and here we do this because they were trying to take what God had laid down and turned it into a man-organized set of rituals and laws. He says the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Just think about that for a minute. That's the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you were to ask most people who are not born again, if you were to go around Lloyd Minster with a microphone right now, a microphone and a camera, and you were to interview people and say, what does the kingdom of God look like? Well, you get all sorts of answers, right? What if you said, what does Christianity look like? Man, you get a lot of people that would say a lot of things, and I don't know how many of them would say righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. How many of them would say joy in the Holy Spirit is right there at the top of the kingdom of God? How many people would say that the true peace is right at the top, and how many people would say there's a true righteousness? where the things that are messed up and wrong are made right. And it starts with us being made right. We were made right because of the free gift of righteousness. Thank God for that. I remember Paul says in Romans 10, he talks about his, his old school buddies that grew up in rabbinical school with him, his old Jewish friends, and he was one of the best of the best. He was one of the best students. His teacher was renowned. A Pharisee of Pharisees, if anybody had a reputation for knowing the Bible, it was Paul and his buddies. But knowing the Bible is not enough, is it? Paul says about them, and I imagine through all his life, it would have been very difficult because he's one of, I mean, he's got a tight group of friends, and all of a sudden, they want to kill him. In a matter of days, everything changes for him. By choosing Jesus... All his friends and his buddies from school reject him. But he doesn't stop caring about them. He in fact says in Romans 10, my prayer for my brethren is this. He says, I, I pray for my brethren for their salvation. Because seeking to pursue their own righteousness, trying to find, trying to make themselves right with God by their own ways and their own law and their own effort, they've neglected the righteousness which is from God. There's only one way to be right with God. That's not by fixing your life because you can't fix your life. It's not about doing all the right things because you couldn't do the right things without them. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. I know that's simple. I know you say, I know that. But hang on with me here because that's your righteousness. His righteousness is now my righteousness. He has become to me, as it says in 1 Corinthians 1, righteousness from God, sanctification, redemption. But have you ever considered that he wants his righteousness to spread from you, not just be contained inside of you, but to spread into every area of your life? I've had relationships. Now, when I say relationships, we're all kind of like relationships. You know, we, our ears perk up. We think we're talking about guys and girls. I'm just talking about friends, people in our lives. I've had relationships where you couldn't say anything was wrong, but you could say there wasn't righteousness there. It was, it did, there was something God wasn't having his way. I've handled things 
where you could, you could have everybody around you say, I think you handled that fine. I think you did. You played it by the book. And yet, honestly, if we were to ask ourselves the question, God, did I handle that righteously? The answer might not be so, so good. Because there is a righteous way. There's his way. And his way is way higher than our ways, guys. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know that as we celebrated Canada Day, many of you would have thought of the scripture that says righteousness exalts a nation. but Sin is a disgrace on any people. And we think about our nation and how many times things have been twisted from the way God designed it. And yet how God is restoring in the hearts of people all over Canada his righteousness, his way, his kingdom. His kingdom within these kingdoms, his upside down kingdom as so many people call it, right? Because the way Jesus described how the world should work is so foreign to us where the first would be last. The the guy who wants to be the greatest in the kingdom doesn't have servants. He is the servant. Well, that messes with our heads. I want you to turn with me to a section of scripture that we go to, we've been to often in the past few months, and I think there's probably a reason for it. It really is a time in history where the people of God have got to wake up and realize there's more for us than simply a ticket to heaven. Thank God we're going to heaven. Thank God I'm born again. Thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved from judgment. Thank God I'm saved from hell. Thank God. I will never stop rejoicing about that. But if that's all there is to life, might as well go now, right? What are we doing around here? There's more for us. There's a purpose for us. We see our purpose reflected in the life of Jesus Christ. We look at him and we see our example. And he showed us, not like we said uh, last week, I believe it was. He didn't just show us the Father. He showed us the Father, but he also showed us what mankind should look like. Here's what humanity should look like. It should look like Jesus. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, I know we read this a few weeks ago, so if you get deja vu, don't worry about it. Ephesians 5.1 says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, don't be partakers with them. Now listen to this. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Like we said a few weeks ago, it doesn't say you have light. It doesn't say you know the light. He says you are light. And that comes from our righteousness with God. We have now been made righteous with him. We've now been made right with God. So there's something that changed in us. We're able to be used by God in a different way. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness 
and righteousness and truth. Now, I wonder if anybody in the room knows in every situation what the truth is. I wonder if every, anybody in the room says, in every situation, I know what God's, I know, I know the righteous thing to do. I mean, if you're that, if you're that confident, please talk to me a little bit because I, I, I'm not even close to that at this point. There's things I know to be true. There's, th- there's absolute truth that I find in his word, but there are situations we come across every day where you go, God, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this. How in the world? Put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a minute where you are the fulfillment of the law. You are God's representative on the planet and somebody brings an adulterous woman to you. These Pharisees or Sadducees, we don't know, these religious folks bring a woman caught in the act of adultery. Of course, the glaring omission is where the guy is. Apparently, it's all the woman's fault. She did it, right? The guy didn't get brought. Woman must have done something, right? Woman is dragged before Jesus, and they're expecting like, hey, if you're such a godly man, let's stone her right now. Because they weren't just making up that law. That was right in the law of Moses. What is the righteous thing to do then? What would be the right thing to do? You see, if you gain your righteousness simply by what you know, it'll fall short. You can't learn his righteousness simply in your mind. You can't just learn it as a set of rules. Righteousness, what does the scripture say? Righteousness comes through faith. It says in the Old Testament, and it's repeated in the New Testament, but my righteous one will live by faith. So righteousness can't be separated from faith. Righteousness can't be separated from a relationship with God. Righteousness can't be learned. There are, there are things that can be learned about righteousness, but they can't be learned outside of a relationship with Jesus. And without the Holy Spirit, without connection to him, you're not going to know how to handle every situation. And let me just tell you guys, God has set you on this planet to be his righteous people. And you're going to have to make some righteous decisions that you have no clue how to make. I have, the, I, I have friends that come straight out of Bible school. and Bless their hearts. They know everything right then. They got it all figured out. I love them for it. But the minute they start ministering to real people, the textbook goes out the window. Because nobody brought this up. Nobody mentioned that this might happen. I'm not even going to go into situations I've faced, but, you know, pastoring in Loon Lake, there were things that I just never even considered could be an issue. How in the world do you handle this? I would phone, I would phone people who have been in ministry for 40 years and go, how would you handle this? And there would be a pause on the line and they'd say, I don't know. You should probably pray about that. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for that. You can't just Google search this. <laughs> There's nobody, nobody knows how to handle this. And yet, in the vacuum of our own knowledge, don't you know that there is righteousness to be had here? That God has a righteous way for you to deal with this? See, we think, oh, no, it's either, it's, either, it's either go by what we know or we're compromised. What if, what if God has this way? What if God has a solution you have not even considered, and most often he does? And that's where his righteousness is found. 
So how does Jesus righteously handle the situation? He tells them, we write something in the, in the ground. Then he tells them, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. Everybody walks away. Then he tells the woman, go and sin no more. And in this, not only has he spared her life, he's redeemed her soul. And by those same words, he didn't send her right back into her own sin, but he cleaned her and enabled her to live a different life. And in that was righteousness. But that righteousness could not be found in their books. You couldn't find it. You couldn't, couldn't be taught that. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Without your, your ear being inclined to the Lord, without your heart being pointed towards Him, without this word be, being alive to you, you will have no idea how to live righteously in an unrighteous world. Because things are broken and things are damaged. And it's all come from separation from life itself, from God himself. And in a broken and damaged world, God has enabled his righteous sons and daughters to live and walk as he would. And he says here, walk as children of light. I mean, just, I mean, I know some of you say that sounds weird and new agey and space agey to me. But just think about what it means to be a child of light. You are, you're like the one you were born of. You're like the one you came from. I don't know how many times in Moses' three years on the planet he's had to hear that he looks like his dad. Someday he may consider that an insult. I don't know. We bear the image of the one that we were born of. We, we, we not only bear their image, we, we pick up characteristics and things. And he says here, your light. Walk as children of the light. Now, light is different because light implies that you know what you're doing. You know, the scripture talks about darkness and it says people know what they're doing in darkness. You can't see. So people in darkness naturally bump into stuff all the time. They break things. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, my, wife, my wife does a beautiful job of, of redesigning and changing things, which is wonderful, until you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. It's not so wonderful. <laughs> darkness, which I've grown to get used to in the middle of the night because you don't want to wake anybody up. You don't want to wake yourself up. All of a sudden is my greatest enemy because I can't see what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. And as children of light, there's this implication that we can see and we know where we're going. And if you're anything like me in the room today, you'd say, there's plenty of times I don't know what I'm doing. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have this connection. But you have to start with the idea that we are not trying to get to a place of light. We're not trying to become righteous. We are righteous by His work. But that righteousness comes out in our life. And I think there are, there are areas all over our, our life and situations we come in contact, relationships, places at work, places around us, where we'd say, this isn't righteous. This isn't the way God wants it to be. There's probably some areas right now in your life where you say, I don't think this is the way God wants it. I don't know how to fix it. Maybe I don't have the ability to fix it, but I know this isn't God's way. I know this is not his will for my life. Well, the good news is, he says things that, uh, for instance, in, in Isaiah, he says, 
that he would cause your righteousness to spring forth like the dawn. That there is a faith in him that says you will cause the broken things to be made right. And he says here, the fruit of the light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, goodness and righteousness and truth. Which is the fruit of you being born again and living born again. The fruit of you just walking in light. That light is found in him. Is that out of your life is flowing goodness. Out of your life is flowing righteousness. And out of your life is flowing truth. God, let that be in my life. That the fruit of my life is goodness. What are we leaving behind us? What's the trail that follows us as we walk through life, as we walk through earth, as we walk through the city? What's left behind us? And what should be left behind us is a trail of goodness, a trail of righteousness, where perverted and messed up stuff got made right. Now, you might say, okay, am I supposed to go into somebody's house and just fix their stuff? Am I supposed to go into their life and fix them? No, really, let's start with us. And then let's start with the things that affect us. And let's start with all the areas we touch because things should be different because you're there. Your workplace, I don't care who your boss is. Your boss could be like, you know, second in command to Satan himself. And if you're in that place, you're in that place, he can do everything he wants to do. And somehow that, somehow righteousness is coming out of that place because you're there. And something about you being there changes everything. Because what's coming out of us is goodness and righteousness and truth. And you can't learn that. And I've said, God, how many times have I said, God, I don't know how to handle this. God, I don't know how to talk to this person about this. God, I don't know how to deal with this in my own life. And then we look to him and he says, my righteousness comes by faith. And if you would have faith, my righteous one will live by his faith, will live by her faith. If I would say, God, there are things that aren't the way you meant them to be. I know there are things out of order. He says, I've come to make them right again. Let your righteousness be made in me. Let let things be made right. I want to be right with you, but I want all these other things to be the way they should be. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And look at this. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, one translation of that Greek phrase that we, in my Bible, it says trying to learn. Another way you could translate it is proving what is pleasing to the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Because when I was a kid, like I told you, this is what we learned. Righteousness was right standing with God. And to me, for a long time in my life, that just meant not guilty. I was just happy to get in front of the judge at the end of the day, and I stand in front of him, and he goes, not guilty, and that's enough. Because I, I know where the guilty go. I, I don't want to be that in, the, in that, but because of Jesus and his sacrifice for me, I gladly receive a not guilty. But I've come to believe that righteousness is more than not guilty. Righteousness is beyond not guilty. Righteousness is pleasing to the Lord. See, is that what you want when you get and you stand before the king of kings simply for him to say, well, I got nothing against you? Or would you like to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. 
See, did he say to Jesus, you know, when, when Jesus is walking the earth and, and they hear that voice from heaven, what did the voice from heaven say? Did it say, did it say I'm not ticked off at this guy? I don't hate him. No, the voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I like him. I'm really pleased with him. That's righteousness. Righteousness goes beyond simple justification where it says, I'm not, I'm not guilty. Righteousness goes beyond it and says, I'm pleasing to him. The things in my life are pleasing. Guys, you can't attain that on your own. You know that. That comes through faith. That comes by trusting in the Lord. You know, we, we say this. I'm, this is a classic prairie Canadian thing to say. First and foremost, we say, how are you? Most of the time, we don't want anybody to really answer that question. No, how are you? That's our thing. That's like, how are you? Hey, how are you? How you doing? Most of the time, I realize that most of the time I say that, I'm already two meters down the road before I, they even have a chance to say something. So when somebody does say, well, let me tell you, you go, oh, no, why did I ask? But one, here's a classic Prairie Canadian response. Somebody will say, not bad or not too bad. And I've always wondered at that statement. Not bad. What are you saying? How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not good, but I'm not bad. Not too bad is even worse, right? Because it's like I'm bad, but I'm just not too bad. What is too bad? Too bad is you just, you just walk into Sandy Beach and you just keep walking. Um, it's too bad. I can't deal with it anymore. I jump off the Eiffel Tower. No, so not too bad. Is that our resting state? Is this what we're aiming for? Is just bad, but not so bad that I can't deal with it? Or it's not bad. It's not great. It's just not bad. I don't think anybody is. We probably don't mean that when we say it. And I, I don't think that's where we want to be. We want to be somewhere beyond that, don't we? Don't you think you want that with God too? I mean, I don't really want him to say when he looks at my life, not bad. I'm not going to send you to hell for it, I'll tell you that. Let it be. I want something beyond that. And I believe that I will because of Jesus. But there are things in my life that I don't just want to be not bad. I want them to be pleasing. And he says, these, these children of the light that he's raised up. See, that's what you are. You're different now. You're, his, you're the children of the light. Now, I know that sounds like a cult when we say it like that. But it's not. It's who we are. You children of the light are proving what is pleasing to the Lord. Isn't that cool? You're proving to the world what God likes. And he says this goes on and he says, don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Why? Because he says there is fruit from light. Light has good fruit. Darkness has no fruit. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, awake, sleeper. And arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Do you hear that? Here are your two options. You can be foolish or you can understand what the will of the Lord is. If we were to take a poll of the people in the room today and honestly say, in most situations, do you understand what the will of the Lord is? I'm not sure what the results would be, but I hope we would be able to say, yeah, that's, that's who I am. Now, I, I may not always get it right, but I know when I'm abiding in him and I know when my ears are open to him, I can know what the will of the Lord is. I can walk out the will of the Lord. I can prove what he finds pleasing. I can be an example of what he likes. There are these, there's this waffle-like existence that we have where we separate so many things. We separate this part of our life and this part of our life. And some people do it more than others. But in reality, there are so many times that we segment our spiritual life and we say, well, this is the spiritual stuff. This is the spiritual stuff. This is where I need to read my Bible. This is where I need to go to church. This is where I need to, to understand this part of theology or whatever. But if you were to be honest, you would know that every area of your life is spiritual. And every area of your life, we want righteousness. And I don't care whether it's simply, you know, righteousness in, in how you built your house, whether you, were, whether you did it God's way or you did it your way, or whether it's righteousness in your marriage or whether it's righteousness in how you behaved when you were working. Any of these areas, God's will is available to you and you can know what the will of the Lord is. Not only know it, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The problem is half the time we don't even ask. Half the time, we don't even ask him what his will is. We don't inquire of the Lord. But what does he say? In all of your ways, the scripture says in Proverbs, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And that's not the, you know, the, the, the hip-hop Grammy award where we, we give a shout-out to Jesus at the end. To acknowledge the Lord means in every area of your life, you seek him. You go, what's your will here? What's righteousness here? What's the right thing to do here? And he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. A lot of us are walking on needlessly crooked paths in certain areas of our life because we just haven't taken the time to say, what is righteousness here? What, what, God, what's your righteousness here? Have you ever figured out that your way this didn't get you very far? There's a scripture that says, there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. See, we have this idea in our heads that the way that leads to destruction is filled with neon signs that says, turn back. That I know what's right and I know what's wrong. You ever, I know that God gave us a conscience. But have you ever figured that sometimes your sense of what's right and what's wrong sometimes has become a little bit warped by the environment you're in or warped by the way you were raised or maybe it's just an area that it's a gray area to you but do you know there are no gray areas to God because the scripture says in him is light and in him there's no shifting or shadow there's light and there's darkness to him he says even the darkness is light to him so to him there are no gray areas where he goes I don't know what you should do to him there's always a righteous path I know there, I'm talking about areas we haven't even considered could be righteous or unrighteous. But God has. And he says here, 
Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So what are my two options? You can understand what God's will is. You can seek his righteousness in the matter. You can seek his will in the matter. You can listen to his voice in the matter. Or do it your own way. Guess what that way is called? That's the foolish way. I don't know. Would you hire the guy to do any job at your house who says, you know, when there's two ways to do something, I always choose the foolish way. That's not the guy you hire. That's not the guy you even let near your tools. We think we know because, well, I, I pay attention. I think I know what's right or wrong. Well, I believe that you do on some level. But I also believe that there is something on the inside of you. It says, I am a child of light. This is why I need to wake up. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. He'll shine on your path. Just wake up. And he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In the next verse, he says, and don't be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That's wasteful. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I'll tell you my desire for us, for myself, for our city, is that justice and righteousness would be restored in areas where they've been forgotten. I know that you're righteous by the blood of Jesus. I know you are. It's only because of that righteousness that you can walk as a righteous person. But it's time that we start trusting God that the broken and the twisted and the messed up things in our life that God has his way and we have our way. And that God wants to restore his kingdom in your own life. He wants to restore his righteousness, but you have to seek it. You have to seek his righteousness. So here's the question that you need to be asking. God, what is righteous in this situation? What is the righteous way to handle this? What is the right way? See, he's bringing things back into a state in your own life. He's bringing things into back into a state of order, back into a state where they are right again. It's not right for you. It's not right for you to have to struggle all your life with the same things and never have victory. God's righteousness. Now, I know there are battles, and I know sometimes they're long, and for every step of that battle, I'll fight with you. I know you don't need to feel condemned one second for fighting a battle when you're fighting, you're truly fighting, and you say, it's been a long time. I don't know why I'm still fighting this. You don't need to feel condemned for that. But I'll tell you, you need to trust God, that God's righteousness will be done in this matter. When there's a disagreement between you and another brother or sister, there is a righteous way to handle it, and it is almost always not your first reaction. Sometimes it is. But all, I mean, almost always, you need to just step back and step back into him. Say, God, how do I righteously handle this? Because what I'm going by is my own instinct. What I'm going by is my own feeling. But I want to do this righteously. If we seek his righteousness, all these other things are added to us. And then there's righteousness in Lloyd Minster. And I believe that righteousness starts with the gospel being preached. What does the Apostle Paul say? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For in it, 
is a salvation. In it, for it, in it, salvation is revealed. Righteousness is revealed. In fact, I want to read that to you so that it can just kind of sit there with you for a little bit. Romans chapter 1. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed. He says in 117, or 116, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. We could pass a bunch of laws in Canada that made almost every sin illegal. And people wouldn't be any more righteous than when we started. Because righteousness is not found outside of him. If we want things to be made right in our city, it starts with the gospel. Being brought back to God. Because things can't be right until we're made right. Some, of, some people are trying to fix their life. I think if I fix my life, I can come back to God. It doesn't work, can't, does it? There's nothing you can fix. It's only things he can fix. Should we pursue righteousness in our city? Absolutely, we should. Let me tell you, it's not righteous that there are people in our city who don't have a home. It's not righteous that there are people in our city who don't have a meal. It's not righteous that there are people in our city who are still living with addictions that rule them all their life. It's not righteous that there are people in our city who have all sorts of money, but whose souls are going in the wrong direction. It's not righteous. Let's pursue righteousness. Let's not be satisfied until we see righteousness, until we see justice roll like a river and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let justice roll. Let righteousness roll here. Let's not be satisfied until we say, God, I know it isn't the way you designed it, And we could be escapists and we could just go, all right, but it doesn't matter because we're getting out of here in five minutes. Or we could say, I know the earth will pass away. I know it's not permanent. I'm not not going to pretend that there's some way we can ultimately save the planet. We can't. I'll tell you, we can have an impact in this community. And we should never be satisfied until we see his righteousness ruling. And his kingdom expanding. Because the Bible says the kingdom, Jesus said the kingdom's like a seed. It always starts small, but it always grows. It starts to take over stuff. And maybe you noticed in your own heart the kingdom started small. It just started with the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe it was a friend that shared the gospel with you. Maybe somebody dragged you to church. And for that minute, all you believed was, yeah, Jesus, I need you to save me. And that's as far as it went. And the kingdom began in your heart as a seed. And maybe you notice the more the seed grows, the more it starts to take over property in your heart. And it pushes other things out. Things you thought were important aren't important anymore. Things that weren't supposed to be there begin to be uprooted. And all of a sudden, the kingdom, that little seed is becoming this giant tree in your heart. Well, it's the same way in Lloydminster, isn't it? This, the kingdom always starts small. But it begins to expand. And it expands and it expands and it expands. And if we're not seeing it expand, we shouldn't be satisfied until we see it expanding. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter uh, 19, it talks about the church expanding. It says the kingdom, it says the word of God was growing mightily and was prevailing. I believe that's God's plan for our city, is that the word would grow mightily 
But things can't be made righteous until people come back into righteousness with God. That's why the righteousness of God begins and ends with the gospel. It begins and ends with faith. Let's let our faith be found in Him, all right? Some of you are facing situations, I think we all are, facing things where you don't know the automatic solution. There are things we know are right and wrong, okay? I know, I know that if somebody messes up my, my order at a restaurant, I probably should not go out and slash that waitress's tires. I know that's wrong. I don't need to seek the Lord and go, Lord, should I slash your tires? First and foremost, be nice to your servers. Bless your servers. They're wonderful people who need your support. But even then, we, we know that that's simple, that's automatic, but there are so many times in our life where we just don't know. Maybe you're like the, the disciples who when they didn't know what to do, they just went fishing, right? Because that's what they did before. That's what they knew. Some of us have these default switches where we don't know what to do. We just go back to the default. We just do what we always do. But God's looking for righteous people. That'll say, God, I don't know what to do, and I won't take a step further until I know you're righteous, until I know your righteous way. I know, I know what righteousness looks like in this situation. And I won't be satisfied until I see righteousness around me because the fruit of the light in my life should be that there's a trail of goodness, a trail of righteousness, and a trail of truth wherever I go. The fruit, if we are children of the light, then the fruit of this gathering of people in this little community should be truth and righteousness and goodness all around there. The fruit of all these churches gathered around our city this morning, lifting up the name of Jesus, should be that our city has remnants of goodness, righteousness, and truth because we're in them. There should be an effect. Guys, if we're not seeing an effect, we're not as fruitful as we need to be. But righteousness always has fruit. Let's seek his righteousness. Seeking takes work. I know that. I know that seeking isn't automatic. Seek him first with your heart. Seek him with your thoughts. Seek him with your prayer. And seek him with your action. You know what you're seeking. You can tell by what you spend your time doing. That's what you're seeking. Look at your day. Break it down. And you'll know what you're seeking. He doesn't say you don't need to think about anything. He doesn't say never take a vacation. He doesn't say never have any fun. Oh, he wants you to have all that. But first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he'll take care of everything else. Praise God. Let's stand up and let's pray.